hello and you're listening to Half Hour History, the show where you might learn something, but we guarantee nothing. I'm Jacinta. And I'm Luke. And this time we're talking about... Lord Nelson. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well done on nearly stuffing up the start there. Uh, This is one... That I have been looking forward to for some time. You like a bit of Nelson? I do like a bit of Lord Nelson, Is it because yeah. of his column? Uh, look, I can't say it's not because of his column, but he has many other attributes like, uh, aside from a large erection in the middle of London. Does he... Uh, is there a statue of him laying on his back underneath it? Sadly not. He's, he's standing on top of it with his legs like quite far apart. Oh, okay, yeah. right. So it's the other way. Yeah. 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 He's jutting down. He's penetrating the earth. <laughs> he is. Yes, yes, he is. No, um, I do I do like a bit of Nelson and, uh, you know, he's one of Britain's greatest ever heroes, wartime heroes, really, and he is more or less the reason why uh, they don't speak French in England. Uh, uh-huh. He saves them from the French. And, uh, yeah, he's just a, just an all-round top bloke. So this episode today is going to uh, educate us as to why he has a massive, big old erection of a statue in the middle of London. What he did to earn it. What he did to earn it, yeah. And, uh, you know, people love this guy. Like, you know, in the 30s, uh, between the 30s and the 60s, there was a, uh, a series of books that were... Not exactly like a hundred percent influenced by Lord Nelson, but you could argue that they were more or less Lord Nelson fan fiction, and of course that is uh, by C.S. Forrester and the Adventures of Horatio Hornblower. Okay, now <laughs> if people are new to this, I don't research; I just listen and learn and do my best to derail. Mm-hmm. But last night you had the audacity to send me, oh, watch an episode of. Hornblower. Just to contextualise where the world was yeah. at that time and what well, sort of dudes are you running around. I didn't realise it was an hour and 40 minutes. So Every I, episode is movie length, yeah. yes. So I was like, that's a bit cheeky, you know. I said, mm. I'm not going to watch this, no way. And then this morning, I'm like, well, I better watch it. Mm. And then I watch it. And now I'm like on the third one. <laughs> and because now it's so, so good. I know, but now I'm so distracted. I don't want to talk about Nelson. I just want to talk about Hornblower and all these fancy Hornblower boys. I would... I've been waiting years for you to want to talk about fucking Hornblower. So no, you can put that You can put that to the side for now. Can I just say a couple of things about Hornblower? Go ahead. Don't you think, like, the, the thing that really strikes me about it is, yeah. you know, you hear all these men's rights activists getting all upset about, you know, females having audacity to have lead roles in things like Star Wars mm. and, um, you know, female reboots and things like that. They should just watch Hornblower. Like, they should all just sit around because Hornblower <laughs> is just men... On boats. It is wall-to-wall peen everywhere. Yeah, I don't think I've seen a single V. It's mm. been all P, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just a lot of men, uh, rugged, fighting, swashbuckly men. In, with ponytails. With ponytails and tights and uh, frilly... And big hats. Lace cuffs. Mm. And um, just being like... You there, sir. Yes, you there, Hornblower. <laughs> Come over here and perform Horatio on me. <laughs> It's just amazing. Mm. It's so fancy. It is. And it's then, quite wonderful. And then I thought, but I, I guess as soon as they got into it, there probably would be an all-female reboot of Hornblower mm. called Cup Supper. <laughs> <laughs> I see there, you boy. Come sup at my heavy cup. 
I think it'd be fantastic. Yeah. So um, the one I'm currently up to is called uh, the Duchess and the Devil. And yes. I swear, if a woman shows up in this thing, mm. I'm not even going to be able to pass it. Like my <laughs> mind is just going to be like, "What is that?" It's going to be like seeing Jaja Binks for the first time. Mm. Just some uncanny valley stuff. Yeah, from memory, there might be a woman in season two. Wow. But, uh, you know, it's been quite a while since I've watched Hornblower, I, I must admit. You were there, Hornblower. Get that woman off the boat. <laughs> Distracting she's, the men. She's making the fish smell bad. Well, I mean, as we learnt in the Batavia episode, having women on boats is a really bad idea. Yes. Well, yes. okay. No, you're right. It, this has contextualised it because I've realised that uh, being in the British Navy means that basically your own team is constantly pointing guns at your head hmm. and yelling abuse at you. Yeah. Um, and it's just like really shitty being on a ship. Yes. Yeah. Like it sucks balls. And basically if you're going into a battle, like there's a pretty high chance that you're going to get your face blown off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. By like a cannonball or your own guy or just whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're basically on a big floating... Um, death trap. Te- death trap, more or less, yeah. So that sounds like fun. Let's let's delve into that world. All right, let's go. I'm, I'm All fucking right. braced for this. <laughs> so Horatio Nelson... I'm the opposite of the sinking mother. Oh, very niche joke. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Horatio Nelson was born on the 29th of September, which is the best day that all the best people are born. Oh, hello. Yep. Uh, 1758 in Norfolk, England, the son of Reverend Edmund Nelson and Catherine Suckling. (laughs) (laughs) He was the sixth of 11 children, so perhaps his mum should have just done a bit more suckling. She was like a suckling pig. (laughs) Uh, he joined the Navy at age 12, because if you're old enough to have pubes, you're old enough to work <laughs> in old-timey England. You there, boy. <laughs> pull, pull down your stride. Oh, yes, it's a fine crop of pubes there, my boy. Yeah, pick up this uh, axe and get to work. <laughs> he joined the crew of a ship commanded by his uncle, Captain Maurice Suckling, and uh, started off as an ordinary seaman and coxswain. <laughs> uh, there's just too much there. Suckling Stephen Coxway. <laughs> he was uh, quickly promoted to midshipman and started his officer training. And that was all well and good, but Nelson quickly learned that being on a boat made him hella seasick, which was a super thing to learn when you just signed up for a lifetime of service on a boat. And his seasickness stayed with him for his entire career. It was not something that he eventually got used to. So that sucks for him. Yes, the statue, uh, it's actually a column of vomit uh, descending down from <laughs> It is, him. it is, yeah, there's a lot yeah. of texture in there, yeah. Uh, he cruised around for a few years doing boat shit and getting himself promoted because, like, he was a top bloke and he did cool stuff like chasing down a polar bear that he saw while the ship that he was on was uh, stuck in some ice flows in the Arctic, just for funsies. He just, like, climbed out of the ship? Yep, climbed out of the ship, went after the polar bear. Uh, he got called back to the ship by his superiors, <laughs> and, and they said, why the fuck are you going after a polar bear? Have you even seen a polar bear? Do you know what they could do to you? And he was like, oh, I just wanted the skin for my dad. And they're Ooh, like, what the fuck? Polar bear, come here, <laughs> let me ride you, boy. Polar boy, 
Uh, he passed his exam for lieutenant, which was quite a big deal, as you will see as you continue watching Hornblower. Oh, no, I've already seen, like, he, oh. I, I've, the second movie is called, like, the lieutenant exam. Oh, examination for lieutenant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, like, all this shit's going down. And he's like, yes, but don't forget my textbooks. <laughs> I've got to burn up. <laughs> um, and he passed his exam and spent some time keeping an eye on all that revolution stuff that was happening in America at the time. And then a few weeks before he turned 21, he was given his first captaincy, which is a really big deal, like having a 20-year-old be captain of a ship. Because they're all, like, you know old dudes and stuff, and here's this young little uh, upstart whippersnapper going, I'm going to be captain, hooray! And everyone else is like, fuck you. 21, I just had dinner with some friends at a Chinese restaurant. Yeah, exactly. Uh, He ended up on the island of Navis in the Caribbean to do some totally boring shit to do with, I don't know, enforcing some laws or something, but he met a pretty top bird while he was there, and he married Fanny Nisbet... In 1787. This just writes itself. It does. Uh, After the shit died down in America, there wasn't any major conflicts that the British Navy needed to stamp on. So, Horry was put on half pay and told to chill out at home for a while. There was only so much crocheting that one guy could do, so he was thrilled when France declared war in 1793. Hang on, like, no, guys can do infinite crocheting. Uh, I'm proof of that. Uh-huh. And, and so, Well, like, you're not still crocheting, though. I could, though. You could, but you aren't. Well, I'm doing other things. Exactly. Like, he, he got... He needed to do other things. I'll crochet right now. Go on, off you go, then. Well, fine. Yeah, fuck you. So, he, he went on... Um, you're moving too quickly. There's so much information here. So, he went on Fanny Leap. Uh, well, yes, he spent time with Fanny, but he was, uh, he was put off for a little while because there was no wars to fight. Did he wear those pants? Did you check that thing out that I sent you, like, on YouTube, Horatio, 6 minutes 44? Oh, yeah. There he is, standing in his pants, and he's Mm. got a big old camel toe. There was an unfortunately placed crease that I admit, when you sent me that uh, link, I had no idea what you were talking about. I watched it, and I was like, what the fuck is he talking? He's like, wait, there's no fanny. What is what is going on here? And then I realized it was just a crease in his pants. He's got a big crease. Like, he's got a big division right up the front of his dax. <sighs> Stop looking at his division. Well, it was pretty out there. <laughs> Uh, so France declared war, he got his job back and was given command of the 64-gun HMS Agamemnon. Time to get shit done. Wow. 64 guns. 64 of them. Count them. One, two, three. Uh, so he made a big old pest of himself to the French and Spanish, and he discovered that he really super enjoyed ruining the days of people who weren't English. <laughs> he had uh, a few wins in his Mediterranean service and a few losses, though the most significant losses were his own body parts. During a land assault, land-based assault on the island of Corsica, Nelson was at the front line when a shot hit one of the sandbags protecting their position spraying rocks and sand and shit into Horry's eyeball. He chucked a bandage on it and just got back out there because he is a total boss, but he never regained vision in the eye. Very poor depth perception. Yeah. He Did he ch- wear an eye patch? No, he chose not to wear an eye patch, which is a weird choice because eye patches are so cool. Uh, yeah, and that's like becomes your iconic thing yeah. as well. Yeah. Or like in the paintings and stuff. Yeah. 
Absolutely. No, his eye, even though it was kind of messed up and he couldn't see out of it, apparently it still looked pretty normal. You so... there, painter, paint me on this polar bear with an eye patch, <laughs> caressing my lovely fanny. <laughs> um, during the Battle of Santa Cruz de Tenerife, which was a bit of a cock-up, to be honest, uh, he got hit in the right arm by a musket ball, which essentially turned his arm into the least fun kind of jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> he was... Uh, Taken back to the ship so a surgeon could look at him, and he got super shitty about people trying to help him back onto the boat, saying, Let me alone! I have got my legs left and one arm! He told the surgeon to hurry up and lop it off, and half an hour later he was back issuing orders to his captains. Hardcore. Did the ship have 63 guns because he had a gun arm now? That would have been so (laughs) fucking cool. Yeah, it'd be so heavy though. Like, trying to imagine walking around with like a cannon on your arm. Yeah, but you'd be dragging it everywhere. You'd pull your shoulder out. Do you think he cares? Kind of. No, not a guy that, like, he's like, let me get back out there. He's willing to, like, lug around a cannon. Yeah, but, like, if you had, like, a cannon dragging behind you because it's so heavy, right? And you had to, like, lift it up to fire it at somebody. Couldn't he rest it on a small boy? Probably. On a cabin boy? Yes. Something like that? Yeah, one of the the unpubed cabin boys that were too young for officer training. Speaking of uh, heavy, when we were at the Shipwreck Museum yesterday... Yes. School holidays, here's you and I, first thing in the morning, getting totally wrecked. Yeah. And um, there's a bit where you can lift up a cannonball. Mm. And guess how much it weighs. Mm. It says, use two hands. Yeah. And uh, it's it's not a huge cannonball, it's not Mm. like a bowling ball. Mm. Uh, Lifted it up, one hand, thought, this is pretty heavy. It's like four kilos. Mm. It's like a couple of tubs of margarine. It is, but if that was being shot at you very fast... It would, uh, I'd read something that basically if you got hit by a cannonball, it would turn you to jelly. Wow. Yeah. You would be fuck sword. So. Now I know what the ladies feel like when I enter a room. Uh, His uh, only real moment of weakness uh, was (laughs) at the Battle of the Nile when he got shot in the head. And a flap of torn skin from his forehead fell over his good eye. And he was like, fuck it, I'm dead, lads. I am blind. Pour one out for me. Send my regards to my wife. I am fucked for all money. Ah, my head, my weak spot. (laughs) But then one of his mates sort of just lifted the flap up and he went, it's a miracle, I can see. And he went back down to the doctor and uh, was told, it's just a scratch, mate. And they put a bandage on it and went back to work. Don't be such a baby. Just yep. a scratch, mate. Yeah, basically. Take uh, that up. A little bit of super glue. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Though they probably didn't have super glue back then. It was probably some sort of pig fat concoction. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, old mate had been uh, generating a bit of buzz around the traps. What with his ability to just shake off hugely crippling injuries and his uh, laddish willingness to ignore orders when he thought they were stupid. Sounds like he looks like... I'm picturing that he looks like um, Aaron Eckhart's Two-Face around about this point. <laughs> no, no, no. His face was was fine. Like, his, uh, like his eye looked okay. His face was all right. He was just missing an arm. Okay. Yeah. So, at the Battle of Copenhagen, after being told by one of his underlings uh, that they'd been signaled to withdraw from the battle, Nelson held his telescope up to his blind eye and said, Can't see shit, mate. I don't believe you. We're not going anywhere. Uh, they won the battle, and his superiors were kind of pissed, but, like, what are you going to do? 
You gonna tell Nelson off? No, you fucking not. No, like once you've won, you, you don't give back your prize. Yeah, exactly. So people loved this guy, uh, and he was enthusiastically received uh, when he visited towns, and people wanted him at a guest at their houses for banquets and shit. And he was also pretty enthusiastically received by the British ambassador's wife's vagina. Oh, gosh. They uh, they conducted a pretty long-term affair. She had his kid, uh, a girl called Horatia, that poor kid. Uh, and they lived together for a time, which was super frowned upon uh, for two married people who weren't actually married to each other to be living together. But he didn't give a shit. No, I think, like, he, he just took it as written. Like, if you're married, you can live together. That's fine. He was married, she was married, they yeah. lived together. Yeah, it's fine. Not a problem. Uh, he was actually living with uh, Emma, who was the lady, their daughter, Emma's mother, and Emma's husband as well. So they were all living together. So it'd be like living in the 80s and, like, Harrison Ford has just started banging your wife and then has moved into your house. Like, you're technically mad, but it's also a really cool story to tell the boys at the pub. What a cock. <laughs> so Nelson's actual wife gave him a uh, it's her or me ultimatum and he said have a nice life babes he said why don't we have both <laughs> so in 1803 Nelson was given the ship HMS Victory as his flagship which was just like a mega pimp ship with 104 cannons and it was basically one of the most elite warships in the world. Like, this thing is fucking cool, and it's huge, and it has heaps of guns, and it's all his. So, Napoleon uh, was being a dick in France, and he had designs to invade Britain, but the British Navy was more than willing to pimp-slap him back into reality. So, Nelson and his crew saddled up and got to work. Uh, the Battle of Trafalgar in 1805 was arguably Nelson's most famous battle for several reasons. You're so, taking me back to a uh, Monopoly game one Christmas with my grandmother. Yes. The Battle for Trafalgar Square. Uh, yeah, got yeah. very ugly. Yeah, yeah cool. Uh, he had a pretty unorthodox plan in mind to beat his foes, whereby instead of engaging the enemy in two lines and taking pot shots, which often resulted in uh, an inconclusive result for both sides. His plan was to cut across the enemy line, disrupt their structure, and take them on 1v1. So Nelson never wanted a stalemate with his enemy in any of his battles. His goal was, in his words, annihilation every time. He didn't want, you know, no, like, stalemates, no nothing. He wanted to fucking ruin his enemy. So the French commander Villeneuve uh, took a break from directing movies and had 33 ships in his combined French-Spanish army. And Nelson only had 27, but he was confident of victory because the British were really good at boats and the French and Spanish were a bit shit at boats. Did they have wildfire? They didn't, sadly, no. But um, so, so how they were going to do it is normally in a battle, the like the enemy would be all lined up in one column and then, you know, the British would come up and line up basically next to them in a column and then everyone would shoot at each other and then often it was, yeah, it was like 50-50 that everyone would damage everyone else, but there was very rarely a clear winner. So Nelson's plan was, uh, so imagine 33 ships and he's coming like at 90 degrees to them. Yeah. And so half of his, his fleet split into two. One half came about a third from the top 
of the of the, the French ships, and the other half went to like the bottom third. Okay, now look, I, meaning I, that the they cut I, into three thirds. I can explain this better, right? Okay. So the French line, yes, it's like a piece of spaghetti. It is. Nelson, he's like the tramp. Yeah. And then his other half, they're like the lady, uh, and they're yes. just gonna start nibbling one end until they meet in the middle. Not quite. So they they cut off the top half of the of the line, meaning that you know they're ships, they're sailing. So this half is just going to keep fucking sailing off because they can't quickly turn around to come back and join the battle. So they're basically just fighting the back two thirds of the line, and because they've kind of cut across them and are coming back, all these like ships are kind of cut off from their um their commander they're all like what the fuck is going on and the british are just absolutely fucking nailing them so so who's eating the spaghetti are probably the italians who are the siamese cats that get in all sorts of trouble well maybe let's leave those siamese cats alone okay uh so normally a dog fight would be a bit of a mess but nelson and his team of captains were like so in tune with each other and um they were psychically linked they were psychically linked and because they would uh, instead of him being like the commander of the fleet and him telling everybody what to do and them just being robots taking the orders and doing what they uh, were supposed to do his sort of way of doing things is that he would have his team kind of all work together and work out the best way to uh you know achieve victory so everyone could work and make decisions for themselves that would work towards the ultimate uh, goal, which was great because that's was not how murder it was murder. So he could just trust them to act in the way that he wanted them to during the battle, which was a huge advantage because he didn't need to send signals and tell them what to do because they just do what they were supposed to do. Would his like floating head appear next to them and give them echoey instructions in their mind, like Professor X? Probably, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm just trying to find a way for me to relate to all of this. What can't you relate to? There's like dudes on ships and shooting guns and... Oh, yeah, no, I'm trying to picture it in my head. Ah, okay. Okay, some some dudes are good at fighting. Yeah. And so they fight. Boat fighting. Boat fighting, yeah. Boat fights. Boat fights. Uh, Ship fight! (laughs) Because the ships were in such close quarters during this fight, the soldiers were close enough that they could actually shoot each other with guns from their respective ships. And this was actually bad news for Nelson, who copped a shot from a French sniper, and this was not one that he could simply walk off. The bullet entered his left shoulder, passed through his sixth and seventh thoracic vertebrae, and and lodged two inches below his right shoulder blade. His, uh, the captain of the victory, whose name was Tom Hardy, turned around and saw uh, Nelson on his knees, collapsed to the ground, and, and Nelson said to him, Hardy, I do believe they have done it at last. My backbone is shot through. He was uh, taken downstairs by the doctor, pausing to give instructions to one of his midshipmen on the way, and was given lemonade and wine to keep him comfortable. Every every cloud. (laughs) He knew he was dying, but he wasn't ready to drop off until he knew the job was done. So the crew of the French ship next to them, um, and I think it was called the Redoubtable or something, attempted to board the Victory, but uh, Captain Harvey on the HMS Temeraire sidled up on the other side to sandwich them and was all, Bonjour, garçon, and opened fire, which fucking devastated the French ship and the crew were all like, Holy fuck, settle down, we surrender. 
Um, Nelson was told that 15 ships had surrendered and said that he was disappointed because he'd actually hoped to capture 20. Hardy kissed his forehead in farewell and Nelson said, Thank God I have done my duty and died. On hearing of Nelson's death, despite the famous victory, King George III is said to have burst into tears. He was a hero, a martyr, and this victory essentially secured the safety of the British Isles for the next century. I don't know, like, you know, when I see ship stuff and see people going off and going on these long voyages and fighting and stuff, like, Mm. I, I just think, like, what are you fighting for? Like, that's your job. Don't we all do jobs to kind of facilitate, like, a way of life? Yeah, but... Did he have any downtime? Did he not want any downtime? Was he just a man that was so driven to, like, he, just fight until he was blown yeah, to pieces? Yeah, yeah, He liked to defeat his enemies. He really liked it. And, like, yeah, they'd have shore leave and downtime and, and stuff like that, but he he wanted to shoot French people. That Fanny was his, Fridays. Yeah, yeah, he'd have Fanny Fridays and um, Annie Mondays or whatever her name was, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so... Normally, the death of our subject would mean the end of the episode, but not in this okay, guy's well, case. Okay, well, thank you, everyone. Wait, what? <laughs> not this time. Oh, shit. So, uh, you've seen that first Hornblower episode. If somebody dies at sea, what do they do with them? Uh, eat them. No, what do they really do with them? To throw them in the sea? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, 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 uh, the normal procedure would be to perform a burial at sea. Because... And then they auction their shit. Oh, yeah, they do. They do do that, too. Um, Because it would take a long time to get home, and you don't want a big pile of stinky, rotting bodies on your ship. So there was no way that they were going to be able to dump Hori in the water. So they had to work out what the hell they were going to do. Yeah, he would. He was very committed to it. It would be like that bit in Moana where he keeps throwing her off the boat, and she just keeps popping back uh, up. Yeah, Yeah, exactly like that. Uh, There's nothing you can tell me in this story that I can't compare to a Disney animated classic. Cool. Uh, so they had to work out what the hell they were going to do to because they can't dump him in the water. They have to take him home, but they don't want him to uh, to rot rot to mush by the time they get there. I so, would instead of like skip the auction. What yeah. you do is you stuff all his belongings inside him. Mm-hmm. Pinata. Yeah. Like, the best yeah. way to get rid of the body and distribute the, the goods. Perfect. They don't want to get rid of the body, though. So they can hang it from a mast. The guy who took charge was the ship's surgeon, an Irish guy called William Beatty. And Willie Beatty. <laughs> surgeons in these days weren't the same thing as, like, the physicians on the ship. They were basically butchers who would just chop off limbs and, and sewed them up. And they had about a 33% success rate of their patients surviving. But... Betty was a pretty good surgeon uh, with a good survival rate. and Let's just do the, the math here, though. Yeah. Like, did they do 33% of the training that a modern doctor would do? Because if they do, I reckon that's fair. Oh, it's even, it would have been even less. Well, then they're yeah. ahead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And no one else uh, had come up with any really good ideas with what to do with the body. So when he put his hand up, everyone went, sure. So his plan... Uh, was to basically pickle Horatio Nelson to try and slow down the decomposition process. So preserving specimens in alcohol for transport during these days wasn't unheard of, but it certainly wasn't common. So Betty was really taking a gamble when he put Nelson's body in a cask full of brandy and ethanol. 
Nice. Mm, two weeks into the journey, gases from the decomposition process burst the lid off the cask, scaring the shit out of the two watchmen on duty at the time who thought that zombie Nelson was coming to eat their faces. It says a lot for the crew that they feel like they need two people to watch over this body. <laughs> like, what are the crew going to do to it? Dunno, dunno. Uh, when they finally got back to England, Betty transferred the now pretty gross body into a lead coffin, wrapped him in linen, and put some camphor and myrrh in there to mask the smell, while the body was to lie in state. He had an opportunity to perform an autopsy during the transfer process, and located the bullet and a piece of um, gold clothing which proved that the proved the entry point of the kill shot, so like the gold stuff that's on his shoulder. Mm. The main reason for performing the autopsy was actually to empty out Nelson's guts, which were decomposing faster than everything else. So the body was shifted one more time into a wooden coffin for burial. The wooden coffin was actually made out of the mast of a French ship that uh, Nelson had defeated at some other battle. So that was a one last fuck you to the French. Uh, and uh, Betty had to be careful during this procedure that uh, Nelson's skin basically didn't just slide off the body because it was in a pretty fucked up state at this point. He's the incredible melting man. (laughs) Yeah. The body went on a uh, closed casket farewell tour. Beatty had warned his superiors that Nelson's face was too gruesome for anyone to see at this point. Okay, I've got to ask, are there photos? No. Drawings? There's not photos of anything at that point. Well, why not? Because cameras didn't fucking exist. What about, like, can't you make a pinhole camera um probably not for another hundred years what do you need to make a pinhole camera cardboard and a hole yeah i guess so yeah yeah they didn't have that uh sort of stuff and uh after a huge funeral that cost about 1.5 million in today's money he was finally laid to rest in the crypt at st paul's cathedral the corpse had spent 80 unrefrigerated days above ground Gross. Mm. They should have just, like, the butcher should have just turned him into a skeleton and just taken the bones back. But then, like, how would they prove that it was Lord Nelson? It would be dental records. I don't know if they did dental records back in those days, but sure. Video footage. Oh, yeah, video footage, yeah. Someone recorded it on their iPhone. Yeah. Yeah, they recorded him being shot and then then stripping the meat off the body. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Um, Trafalgar Square was created in his honour in 1835. And the centerpiece, Nelson's Column, was erected in 1843. It was such an enduring symbol of British strength that Hitler had allegedly planned to steal it once he conquered Britain. Yeah, <laughs> Hitler riding up in his mech, <laughs> ripping it out <laughs> of the just ground. just snip it up, snip yeah. it off the column, yeah. Start hitting people with it. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> Uh, the HMS Victory still exists to this day in a dry dock at the Portsmouth Historic Dockyard. She narrowly avoided being scrapped in the early 1900s, but King Edward VII, who was Queen Mary's father-in-law, stepped in and stopped it. Uh, she's been in dry dock at Portsmouth since 1922 and is maintained by the HMS Victory Preservation Trust, probably at a cost of about a bajillion dollars a year because uh, I imagine wood is hard to preserve. And that is Lord Nelson, the life and death and decomposition of Lord Nelson. I like the bit where he melted and mm. they've got it on video. <laughs> I'll have to search for that one on YouTube. I wonder if they'll uh, they'll have that on the Hornblower. 
Yes. Have any famous actors played um, Lord Nelson in any adaptations? Mm, not really. There was, I think the last Lord Nelson movie was in the 50s. Yeah. And I think it was Gregory Peck. Oh, mm. there you go. But uh, yeah, no, there hasn't been one for a while that uh, the Hornblower series is about the closest that we've had. And that was the late 90s. So yeah, that thing's 20 years old. I can't yeah. believe that. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. so young. I know. Like um, Mr. Fantastic is like eight. Mm. years old yeah i think i think maybe it was like 98 or 99 something like that yeah yeah, so, yeah. So yeah i just what was it about that dude that they were looking at him and went oh he should be mr fantastic no idea bit of a stretch mm. oh, <laughs> how the best, funny the best I've got. yeah uh so that's it yeah that is that is it for this week that is uh lord nelson all done and dusted and dripping so we will see you uh, next time, next time around. Uh, join us at fruitlesspursuits.com. Uh, join us on the Facebook group. Donate at Patreon. Listen to the other shows. Do all that sort of stuff if you want to. If you don't, I don't care. Don't do it. Listen to all the other stuff. You can hear me a million times a week talking, talking, uh, talking, talking sure about stuff, doing funny voices and things. And yeah, if you go to Fruitless Pursuits um, and look at any episode, there's links to all that shiz, like our discussion group, all that stuff, Patreon. Uh, yeah. 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 Woo! Woo! Nelson! We're going to uh, we're gonna go and watch some more Hornblower, and uh, we'll see you in a fortnight. going to go blow my own horn. Badonkadonk.